This episode of Auto Dealer Live is brought to you by Auto Dealer University. That's the question of the day. The question of the day is, did Apple buy Asbury? Hey, man, we're live. It's 3.30 Eastern Standard Time. I'm here with David Cribbs, who came up with that title, by the way. Excellent title. Thank you, sir. And Chris Fritcher, man. What's up? What's up? What's up, guys? And, uh, man, I'll tell you what. I see people jumping on as we speak. If you do us a favor, um, because we have some good content today, do us a favor and share the show so someone else can check it out. And, uh, but man, I'm glad to be back with you guys. Hope you guys had a happy Thanksgiving. Um, so we were off last week and then, uh, the week before that we actually did a repeat show because you were out and I was out. So it's, uh, it's been a couple of weeks, man. So here we are guys. And, um, great topics. We initially had this slated for two weeks ago and we actually did a little promo cribs when we talked about it. So we're going to bring this conversation back up because I think it's had time to marinate. People have had time to comment on it. We've had a chance to, to shake out. And, and get rid of uh, some of the fluff on it. And I think it's actually a better time to have the conversation in retrospect today rather than maybe breaking uh, breaking news aspect. And um, Yeah, I do too. I've, I've learned a couple of things since the article was released. And uh, yeah, so today we're talking about, hey, did Apple buy Asbury? Mm. You know, pretty, pretty crazy question. And uh, the answer is probably no. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> but uh, but some of the changes that we're talking about that uh, that Asbury has has, uh, you know, tackled and and uh, is part of their new business plan. That's what we're really going to be talking about today. The change in the evolution in the car business. Asbury uh, is really the first major, major group mm -hmm. to take a kind of a, a stance and moving forward in, uh, in a, that, you know, something they piloted originally in one of their stores and now. Uh, possibly expanding to the entire footprint, 88 stores. Yeah, absolutely. And before I go any further, too, Calvin Pierce brought it up, so I'd be a, a remiss not to say I am absolutely in yes. having one of the best weeks of, of my life. My wife and I were made grandparents at a very young age. I'm 47, and uh, she is younger than me. <laughs> and uh, But we were made grandparents. Our oldest daughter had uh, their first child, our first grandchild. So our granddaughter, Adelie Hazel, was born. Thank you for bringing that up, Calvin. So I'm pumped up, man. And, uh, but let's move on to the topic <clears throat> here. So, you know, it, it was, as you mentioned, Cribs, it was, it was, it was a pilot program that they had um, done. So <clears throat> number one, let's say like everything that we bring up and really any topic that we talk about, we're not really advocating for a right way or wrong way, because in my opinion, you know, I think I'm right on pretty much every opinion that I have as yeah. I'm pretty sure everyone does. That's why they're called opinions. Uh -huh. um, and, um, but the reality is, the moment that one somebody says um, that's a bad idea or the wrong way to do it, somebody can show you a an example of of a you know of a uh, an idea being successful and profitable. So obviously, as a company who's in the top five of all dealer groups, a publicly traded company with some great leaders at the helm, um, certainly have vetted this idea. Somebody enough of them have thought this was a good idea, and they based it on you know, experience. So, but there's, a, let's look at the pitfalls. Let's discuss because someone can't just look at it and go bad idea, good idea. It's kind of like a bill that Congress passes when they pass something, they always pack a lot of other things in the bill. So it's like, I'm passing, you know, an insurance bill. It's got like, it's got tons of other things packed into it. Hundreds of things that get, that get passed along with it. Oh, you want to do this? Well, you're going to have to add this. So there's some, it might be a good idea, but there's some bad ideas or maybe some pitfalls that are attached to it. And what I want to look at is, um, you know, we mentioned in the promo a couple of weeks ago, 
that here at IPD, for instance, you know, we, we gained a great future employee out of this move already. The day it was launched, the day it was launched, we had an interview the next day with a, an outstanding person that we hired on the spot who was a finance manager of a local Asbury store, saw the writing on the wall. I mean, boom, found out and instantly changed career paths. And uh, he starts in January 1st here, an absolutely phenomenal caliber person. So let's just look at this, the talent pool that is going to be possibly lost, maybe made available for other stores in Asbury stores markets. And uh, let's look at that for a second. I mean, that's, that's, that is a potential downside. Well, I, I think first explain to people that might not know uh, what we're talking about. Cause I think some people might be joining the show, might not understand all that's yeah. in, in the in this whole Asbury. Okay, yeah. yeah, let's, let's, let's lay just lay it out a little bit and kind of unpack it a little bit. This is, uh, you know, based on an article in Automotive News, and it, it talks about the fact that, that Asbury, you know, they, they piloted this in a store for quite a while in North Carolina before they rolled it out, but uh, essentially talking about things like moving to a quicker, uh, you know, an online option, uh, definitely using, you know, uh, tablets and, and uh, uh, different things that uh, are as software tools to kind of speed up the process. But more importantly, uh, looking at uh, more of a uh, product specialist frontline. Right. So uh, in uniforms, by the way. So that's why we said, hey, is, yeah. you know, did Apple buy Asbury? Of course, that was kind of a tease, but uh, moving more towards maybe what uh, customers or, or consumers rather are seeing in more in, in more modern successful companies this this type of an approach but uh, we've never seen anything like it in the auto business at least not to this degree especially well, with a group this large yeah and not, um, and not only a group this large but I mean there's there that cover a vast part of you know multiple areas in the United States there are multiple point or there are multiple uh, OEMs involved so, and, and there's multiple styles of you. When you go, you know, you know as well as I do, or, you know, when you go into different parts of the U.S., you know, you go into the Southeast versus the Northeast versus the Northwest, Southwest, mm -hmm. what have you, uh, middle of the, of the nation, there's different, there's differences in the auto business. Well, there's That's definitely been one of the, uh, the, you know, the, the kind of the controversies, if you will, of moving towards this, because, you know, we have some stores that are successful with a similar type of model already, uh, but they're in marketplaces where, it seems like that's the market, right. right? Where it may work well in this market, but not in this market. But now we're looking at a group that has a major footprint. Although I will kind of also say this as we move forward, the article does point out that, uh, that they're moving slowly uh, on implementing this process. So I don't think it's like wham, all right. 88 stores are now, this is it starting today. Well, let's look um, at, let me just read a couple things sure. too, cause we have people coming on. And by the way, again, thank you guys, everyone that's saying, uh, what's up grandpa, uh -huh. <laughs> poppy. I just gotta, I gotta make sure for those that are coming on that I did mention that early on. And um, thank you very much for the congratulations on, on that big week for our family. Um, and so I'm going to congratulate Mikey Okendo, my VP of marketing here, who's my son-in-law and also my daughter. Alexis. He's hosted the show many times with us. He has, he has. And uh, so, um, but here's what we're talking about. We're talking about transition in the auto business, a big transition. And we want to get your opinion. We want to get your weigh in on this, but we're talking about Asbury specifically and starting in 2020. And I'm reading out of the automotive news, November 18th article where they plan to overhaul their dealerships nationwide. Starting 2020, they're going to add technology tools and again, there's a lot of fine print in, inside of each one of these. I mean, adding technology tools doesn't sound bad. It sounds good, right? But there's a lot of caveats inside. Adjusting pay plans, consolidate 
dealership positions across its 88 store footprint. So they're dubbed by their executives as, quote, dealership of the future. So this is a big move, right? Changes uh, at the North Carolina store, which Asbury wouldn't identify, include a four-day work week, combining finance and insurance. So there's combining F&I and sales positions. We've been debating this for a long time, right? We've had some uh, F&I uh, experts on, Shaka Dyson and Tony D and Jim Ziegler. Sure. These are, their opinions are, you know, there's a lot of compliance issues that are going to be rattled by that, you know. Um, and also a remote vehicle purchase process. So now you have, um, and, and of course, uniforms, as Cribs alluded to, but with the remote vehicle uh, you know, um, purchase process, they're, they're, they're going to rival the Carvanas. They're going to go out and they're going to say, hey, we're going to take this, which, which is a great idea because, hey, oh, yeah. you know, Carvana laid the path out, but we have somebody who they've never been connected to the OEM. Now you have a new car, huge dealership that's making a bold move. I mean, I commend them for doing a lot of this. But what, what do you, let me ask you this, Chris, what are some pitfalls, guys? Let's look at this. Those of you guys watching, weigh in. What are the pitfalls for some of these changes, okay? Well, what do you agree with? What do you disagree with? Well, I, I, first of all, I like the whole entire concept. And the reason I like the whole Everything? entire concept. I, I do. Okay. Um, I think anything that disrupts a market, and I hate that using that term, but anything that disrupts a market, I like. Um, I think what Asbury is doing is beating the OEMs to the punch mm -hmm. because I, th I feel like this could be something that eventually your manufacturers are going to start trying to slowly adopt and push stores to do. And now I think what's going to end up happening, all these manufacturers are now going to sit back and wait and see what happens with Asbury and see how well they're able to do it. And then if it's successful, they're going to start forcing their their uh, their their owners their franchisees to actually do it so that's a good question so does it become a trend because asbury does it does it become a trend dave with other stores and other groups i mean well, to compete? i definitely think this is where we're headed uh for, across the board in the auto industry i think we're moving closer and closer to this type of business model however i think that uh I think it takes someone like an Asbury that has 88 stores to jump in the pond, if you will, uh, before you start to see an impact with the public. And the reason I say that is, let's, let's just take a look real quick at some of the advantages, because it, it goes on to talk about the fact that um, they're replacing sales positions with product specialists. Mm -hmm. and, and when we talk about uh, consolidating positions in the F&I and management area, um, what, what they're really saying is, look, our front line are going to be product specialists, which means that they're going to be on salary. We're going to we're going to share that with the public. They're not on commission. They're on salary. Mm -hmm. So the idea there is really a couple of things. Number one is so that if I'm if I'm a consumer walking in and I know this, well, now the odds are I'm going to be more uh, comfortable, if you will, with now really looking at the product. And I think that's the benefit from the dealer is because that's a struggle we all face is breaking those walls down to even get the consumer to really focus on the product instead of trying to move to different areas of price and things like that. So if we have that front line uh, doing that, then that's the benefit for the dealer. The problem is, I mean, you and I can read this article and we get it right away, but it's going to take a lot of time, in my opinion, for the public to come in to that store and adapt to that and really believe that that's the case. I think it's going to There's take gonna time. There's going to be an educational <clears throat> process to it. But I, I think the other aspect of this that kind of gets overlooked, I think, is if you look outside the automotive industry and you look just towards retail in general, retail stores as a whole are really struggling. And 
like Toys R Us, I don't know if you you heard, they opened up. Uh, I thought they closed. They did, okay. and they opened. They they've restructured now. They've they opened up. I think their first store, and what they've done is they've taken product that used to be in boxes out of the boxes and put it in the aisles for kids to play with. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to uh, create a environment, a, okay. a, a, more of a destination. Well, listen, you, so, know, you know, it's crazy. What comes to my, I mean, actually, it's so weird you said this. I didn't know that. But it comes to my mind what I was getting ready to say. Can you put that music down in our ear, Lou? Um, it comes to my mind the, uh, what I was getting ready to say about the whole, the whole issue here. Like you said, did Apple buy Asbury? My question is, does, does the we always are trying to adopt in the car business, right? It seems like people are trying to adopt the, uh, you know, the Apple and Starbucks concepts, mm -hmm. but do they need to adopt a car business concept? Because here's my question. And so you said, it's funny that they're pick, taking the toys out of the packages. Well, we've had test drives for a long time. We let people play with, <laughs> yeah. we yeah. let people play with our toys at yeah. dealerships. Oh yeah. yeah. So but if you, so if you think about it, they're really going to something that the car business knew a long time ago. So here's another question. Well, Apple, and, and I've often thought about this, Apple has really one competitor or two competitors is the Google phone, right? And then there's the Android, Samsung, and then there's Apple. I mean, but in the car business, you have a lot of OEMs. Well, it's a, it's, it's different, man. I mean, well, so, not only that, but Apple mm -hmm. controls a hundred percent of Apple, right? Where. Mm -hmm. You know, Toyota doesn't control, unfortunately, 100% of Toyota That's because really you have point. individual owners that, right. you have, that do things differently from Toyota store to Toyota store. The OEMs struggle, oh. and, and they've done a great job, but their but mission my, is to make it as consistent well, as possible. I guess my, but my, there's variance. My point, I guess, in, in all of this was, okay, if you could just envision the mall, and you guys are listening, you know, we take the car dealership, we call it dealer row. And even online, there's the digital dealer row, right? Mm -hmm. My wife was on Etsy the other night, and, you know, we're sitting there in bed, and she's scrolling through, and I just kind of looked over at her phone, and I'm watching her go through, and she's like, oh, I look at this. It's in the shop, on this shop, and Etsy, and then on this shop. And she goes back, and I'm looking at the little panels, and I, and I thought in my head, it's like a, it's like a mall on your phone. You're walking through, you go to this shop and boop, you enter in the Etsy yeah. shop, you back out of it, you enter into this shop. Oh, so yeah. you have dealer row and you have online dealer row, right? With the internet customer. Well, it's no different. What if Apple, if you're in a mall and instead of being Apple, there were 20 stores that sold different phones. I'm telling you what they turn into. They turn into what Mr. Man used to be. You remember, remember right. when they, oh, when oh, you'd yeah. be walking, they, they'd right be like kiosks. You'd, walk down, right there. you'd be walking down the mall and they're like, hey, you wanna buy a phone? Come on, come on. Apple's got the best phone. They'd have right. to compete and they'd have to learn how to sell. Right now, there's not a lot of competition because it's the markets are are monopolized by basically a couple of brands. You understand what I'm saying? A, a million it's different percent. in the car business, a man. Mil, a million percent, and, and it's like I like I was uh, if using that same analogy. What if there were five Apple stores in the same mall, but they all had different owners, and they could kind of make their own rules? Yeah. You know that changes what the game completely too. What would they know? do? Uh, exactly. I mean, look at Popeye and Chick Popeyes and Chick Fil A, <laughs> McDonald's, and you know Burger King, Wendy's, and Zaxby's are all competing now. They're all they're they're, they're you know they're going after this market. That you know, the, so I think the car business. I mean, dude, look what you just said. Toys R Us are taking the things, the toys, out of the packages, and they're letting people play with them, and they're creating an environment. It's mm -hmm. so with a car dealership is so. Listen, you, you dealers, you're trying so much to to cater to a customer experience. When I think that we as the dealership, we have something that other people don't have. You know, Apple has their 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 phones out where you can go in and play with them. Sure, you can test drive them, man. Uh, absolutely. 
Ab- you know? Absolutely. I mean, come on. You know, there's there, there's just so many dynamics in the in, in, when it comes to the difference of a car dealer versus uh, other types of industries that we compare ourselves to. Um, you know, I think there are some real positive things here in that we, I think, you know, manufacturers, dealers, anyone who's selling something pays attention to what consumers are attracted to. But at the same time, you know, there's, there's, you know, if we ask a customer, like, what would you want it to look like? And if a dealer provides it exactly that way, mm-hmm. unfortunately, what the consumer says and their behavior when they see that is different. And that's what I meant by it's going to take time for a consumer to be con- convinced or comfortable with, okay, yeah, this is a process. I'm not leaving money on the table. There's so many unknown variables. And then we throw in used cars. I mean, it's just difficult. Let I, me, let me throw something Kevin Campbell just sure. said out just to throw this into the, cause this is really, this sort of adds some fuel to the fire and, sure. and, and it's not controversial. It's just really good because, and Kevin's in a different position. Not that he always hasn't mm-hmm. thought this way, but now, you know, being uh, in a position where he's, he's handling, you know, a, a bigger nut, so to speak, for the dealer group, and he's involved in pre-owned for the whole group and things like that. Right. He threw something out here that I think his new newer position might help him feel. He said, this isn't about a better workplace or experience for the customer. It's about getting more profitable. And I think that we need to look at this, man. I mean, we are business people, right? This is about becoming more profitable at the same time. It's okay to make money. I mean, look, if we don't need to become so sterile right? Where we cut out the ability to understand that we have the ability to make income in this industry like no other. Well, I I agree with that statement, but I also think, I mean, obviously they're doing this, they found a way they, they believe to save them money. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and also I think in their minds create a better customer experience. Now looking 20 years down the road, I'm sure someone in these meetings has said that maybe we can convince a manufacturer that we don't need these great, big, huge uh, 25, $30 million facilities anymore. If this works, we can scale it down. You know, we need a big service drive and then a really small storefront. And I see the market eventually 25, 30 years from now going in that direction. I definitely think you have something there. I think that there's just, uh, something to be said for that. I also think that, you know, as we, as we kind of uh, approach this from sort of a, devil, a devil's advocate kind of uh, side, right. uh, I do want to go back to the fact, and let's give Asbury some credit because uh, we, we kind of, you, you touched base on it earlier, Dave, is, you know, there's a lot that's gone in, uh, into this. They're, they're, you know, they didn't come to work on Monday morning and go, hey, <laughs> yeah. uh, I think we're going to turn our 88-store uh, empire into, uh, into a little gamble here and see if this works. Um, sure. Let's roll. Roll the dice and see what happens. Right, uh, but what is? But it's definitely rolling the dice because these stores are all over the place, man. They're all over the country. It is rolling the dice, but th- this was calculated. They've done it in a few stores. Yeah. They, so they, was the they, launch of AutoNation. And, and, and it, it really is. The article's very, it's, it's very I ambiguous. I don't know what that means. Well, the launch of AutoNation, not now, the oh. launch of AutoNation, we all know that did not work. The launch of AutoNation, the original seven, it, that didn't work. That was a complete flop. Yeah, it didn't work as planned. Oh, come on, Chris. It didn't work as planned. No, you weren't there. there were, as I was plan. there in the middle of it, so I lived it. Um, the middle, I'm talking about the launch of the initial used car. Yeah, um, I was there work. in the middle of it. I, it certainly didn't work. That's how I started my career. Uh, it, it could have. It could, could have. I, mean, I think, yeah, sure. but there were a lot of things that, that You could have won the lottery last week, but you There's didn't. a lot of things that come into play. The market shifted. 
halfway through this, yeah, okay. the market shifted, and well, but all that's, of a sudden, but, but new when cars, you calculate something, then you usually you you might figure they, the market. No, they got, they come on, see, you just you said the market see. shifted, yes, the, the, but that means the OEMs they, right got very aggressive. So did they roll the dice and it didn't work? No, it did work because what well, they did was no. What they, they did they was it. no. They what changed they did, it. Yes, and they started buying new car franchises. Yes. They didn't go away. They evolved. No, 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 no. You didn't, I didn't, you, okay, AutoNation is the number one uh, group today. Right. I didn't say they failed. They shifted. They lost a lot of money in that in that, that ordeal. In the initial, all the initial individuals, I mean, most of them are not involved anymore, and they got out really quick, and they shifted that concept pretty instantaneously and went to a Five, whole different business down the road. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's definitely a really rapid uh, change uh, in their in their business model from launch time. But um, let's go back to this yeah. article for a second, because, you know, what one of the things that the article uh, shares and it's very ambiguous as to uh, I mentioned earlier that this is a, they're going to slowly lay it out. <laughs> These guys are looking at each other. They're going to slowly uh, lay this out uh, across their larger footprint. So it's very ambiguous as, as to what those timelines look like. Um, I'd love for someone, if you're not under the code of secret silence uh, with Asbury to jump into conversation. Uh, and also we would invite anyone um, from Asbury uh, that would want to share and talk about uh, the new policies in, in, in some of these stores and moving forward and what that may, might look like. I want to welcome also Ron Gavrick uh, is watching online. In fact, I'll be picking Ron up at Tampa Airport tomorrow flying in uh, to, uh, in fact, uh, Corey Mosley has an event here in Tampa that he's going to be uh, going to as well. But, nice. um, you know, right. because if we're talking about, you know, Asbury rolling this program out to 88 stores across the country and we've already picked up, um, you know, a great employee from it. Uh, the shift. And he referred someone else. And he referred someone else. So I think what you'll see is, you know, if if maybe someone who's in a finance role, who's accustomed to the current opportunity and situation and lifestyle and, and, and methods and whatever you want to call it, um, they may not be comfortable sticking around for a big change, right? Mm -hmm. So it's very likely that they're going to move to a place where they believe that they're going to have more opportunity and very well may have uh, based on maybe some of the uh, way that they're moving the positions around and kind of retitling everything. Mm -hmm. So uh, the point to that is that not only will dealers be able to kind of uh, pick and grab some of those top draft picks, if right. you will, from Asbury, uh, but also there's going to be a little bit of reverse in that. Uh, you know, Asbury is going to attract a lot um, of people attract yeah. a lot of, of new, uh, I would say probably more millennials for sure, uh, which really is future also of, of the industry as well. So I don't know, it's, it's kind of a, an interesting, you know, dynamic. That's I, I going think on. it, I think it gives Asbury an, an opportunity to be more aggressive in the employment market, um, by doing this. I think there's a lot of people, the, the one reason that people are so fearful going in the automotive business there's two main reasons one they're scared of working off a commission and two the schedule and so if asbury has addressed that with this new concept i think it's going to attract a lot of people that normally would not want to can go into the automotive business it's well, now going to give them an opportunity to yeah it's got, well it's got to be their hope so they, yeah. they, they got to be there's got to be a method to it you know um i you know i think uh I just, you know, I just, I just look at, I just look at this whole position of F and I in sales, and I know what, what about what Shaka talks about and and Jim when they raise the issue of compliance. I you think know. there's some. I think there's some legitimacy there. Would the legitimacy would fall in? Hey, are these are these positions going to be trained to mm -hmm. the point that 
they're they're focused they're hyper focused on protecting the dealer which is the number one job of a of a finance manager um, I don't think Asbury is going to roll this out without uh, those those things in place uh, and 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 I'll kind of again be a devil's advocate here for a moment but uh, Dave I mean you and I and Chris we we all live by sort of a motto and we have our whole career of you know uh, eat what you kill. And, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean, you know, we go out and we go after it and we get after mm -hmm. it and we love commission because there's no limit. We can right. go, you know, work hard and yeah. smart and get paid. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but the, you know, on the flip side is the argument that, Hey, if we remove commissions from all these lev different levels of interaction with the customer, doesn't that ultimately kind of change the behavior? Uh, and, and maybe that's create helping to create that more, uh, you know, uh, underlying experience, uh, you know, or take some of the, the taboo away from the experience, if you will, even if it's just perception. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and there's two sides with the whole F and I in sales combo. There's the, there's the, there's the compliance or there's the, you know, from the same, and I think that's more from a non, you know, uh, from a salesperson doing the finance right? That's the challenge. But then there's the other side where, where the person that we picked up, for instance, and I'm not saying he's beyond this or above this, but I don't think that he wanted to go in and become a salesperson. So yeah. there's the other side where I don't want to sell cars, you know, to the, to the trained, you know, F and I manager, you know? Yeah. So there's, there's that, there's that dichotomy there. Well, you know, we've seen some models. I think from what I read into the article, there's going to be uh, two different positions. It's not going to be a one person, one price situation. Like there are some stores out there that have that where one person, that salesperson, Dave, that meets the customer, takes them all the way through the entire process, including finance and whatnot. From what I read in the article, they're going to have frontline product specialists that are on salary only. And then it would then be turned over to someone that would handle the rest of the transaction, including finance. So they'll be a little bit more mm -hmm. uh, trained, more of a management type of level, but less of the commission type of level that uh, then, that then we normally see. I made a mistake earlier when I said what I said about uh, well, local dealerships already doing that. I didn't realize I must have missed that. But yeah, and I'm going by what I read from the article. Yeah. I'd, that's why I'd love to have you know well, additional intel from from Asbury if you're well, if you're in management in Asbury and you are you know you have the ability to share and maybe clarify for everyone in the auto industry. I would think that there would be no harm in that. So. Well, I would I would say actually that probably makes a lot more sense. Uh, in the in the reason being is there's more pressure today in the F and I office than there's ever been before, because the front ends are um, a lot smaller than they used to be, and so it's more important today to make that money on the back end. I mean, lots of times, you know, there are certain dealerships, high volume stores, aren't making a whole lot on the front. They're making it all in the back. Well, what is so <clears throat> to having that experienced F and I guy in the back is is more important today than it's been in you know a long what about, time what about subprime that, that, what about a lower tier yeah that opens up a whole another can of worms because then you now it's now it becomes a little bit more complex mm -hmm. even even with our our tools and our software that that certainly uh help in that area uh you you still now there's new dynamics that get introduced mm -hmm. and and someone who's handling that I don't know what asbury's plan is there if they have are, are going to handle that with with separate personnel or everyone's going to be trained. It seems pretty extensive uh, to, to do that if it's going to be across the board. Yeah, maybe a, a subprime product specialist. But I mean, in reality, you're just kind of relabeling. You know, and, and that's another question. Is this, is this a big, uh, you know, PR stunt? Is it not, 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 not in essence, but I mean, are you just really relabeling? Because I mean, well, you know, the inner workings, they kind of, well, because what you said really 
doesn't change much because yeah. we've been trending away in some stores. You've been trending away from your classic salesperson anyway for a long time. You've been kind of going into more of a, you know. Well, well you can bet your bottom dollar that they're <clears> pitching <throat> this as uh, internally, uh, at least to either shareholders or whatnot, um, that, uh, that, hey, we build it, they will come kind mm -hmm. of a thing. This is what the consumers are demanding. And when we can say we have it, they're going to, that tra traffic's going to come to us. I mean, there's something to be said for that. That's, that, that also is, is realistic. Yeah. So it's good, man. Well, what do you think about the, you know, you know I like, uh, the Carvana, you know, that part of it, the, 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 the deli home delivery. I think that's a brilliant idea. We've been talking about this for a while. I, you know, when we talk about, you know, companies like Carvana or, or you know, or, or Vroom, um, mm -hmm. you know, you look at it and you, and I've said this for a long time because it's so blatant right in front of you that you know and the, but but the the OEM or the dealership level and at the dealership level it's so easily done i mean the internet is something that we all now are from it's i mean we're familiar with it's it's yeah. you know it's you know i mean we do things today that we've never done all of us here we are broadcasting on facebook live and um you know so to me it's uh it's 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 just why yeah. can't we do that at the store level but at the same time on the flip side we also see you know dealerships sometimes mess up you know the 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 simplest thing you know with the lead process or maybe internet department so therefore there is some complexity there which comes through reach training you know that is not always um at the top of their uh priority list as well but it can easily be done you know it can easily be done because sure. the, the vehicles are there the process you know it needs to be trained, but my God, man, I mean, you know, you have already the moment you open up this avenue, you know, for this um, e-commerce situation, true e-commerce situation and home delivery and purchase like that, you, 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 ha you already open up an avenue that Carvana can't touch. And that's the OEM. It's the manufacturer. It's, it's heck, I buy a new car that way. You know, not that everyone's going to switch to that. It's just an option. Yeah. And you squish them immediately. You, you know, you got, well, I was going to say by doing that, what you're talking about, you, you're pushing the, the people that that some of the manufacturers and some of the uh, franchisees are worried about, like Amazon. They're worried that Amazon's going to come into the market. It is. If you're if you're already doing it, then Amazon's not going to invest the money. Why? Would Why they? would they? Yeah, they, I mean, the whole the whole point it's of all Amazon, attached to the OEM. It's all yeah. attached because as long as there's fr the franchise agreement stand right, I mean, you're protected by that. You, it's all. It's a moot point. I mean, yeah. it just simply is because the bottom line is, is you could sell used cars until the cows come home. Great. Well, what about those who want new cars? I mean, the reality is this. If you look at it from a growth standpoint, a PBR standpoint, dealers make more money on used cars, always have, always will. And so they love selling used cars. But the fact of the matter is a consumer is drawn by what? The logo, the o, the, uh, sure. the the logo, the OEM. Mm -hmm. They're drawn by the new car, even if they get there and they have a credit issue or, you know, a down payment issue, or a dealer moves them to a used car for financial gain or reasons. They weren't drawn in by that used car. They were drawn into the Toyota dealership or the Ford dealership or the Chevy dealership by, hey, I am tra attracted to this, and, and then they move on to a pre-owned vehicle, you know, as a as a byproduct. But. Yeah. Squish Carvana, right? Squ squash them instantly, you know, put them out of their misery, so to speak. Take the, the concept of Amazon off the table because because of your relationship with the OEM. Get your crap together and put the situ put the process in place. Right. I like that. And this is stuff that you can do locally. You don't have to wait on the OEM to, to, to force your hand to do it. I yes. mean, you can do it locally. It's easy. Right. Um, I say it's easy. I mean, it's a few processes and some, you know, a little bit of a change. But if, if freaking Carvana can do it out of nowhere, then the, your local 
you know, Ford store or Chevy store, whoever can, can do, do it, it with no yes. problem. It's not, it's not, it's easy. It's easy from a technology. It's easy yes. from, it's easy regard for, uh, with regards to the part that they feel is hard. Yes. Does that make sense? Let me yeah. say that again, just in case I did it tongue tie. It's easy from the standpoint that the dealer views as it's hard. It's hard from the standpoint, just like everything else in the auto business, it's easy to get a qualified lead on, on sales that we do. It's easy to, to, you know, to get these great marketing companies out there to provide all of these services. It's hard to get someone to use them. Mm-hmm. It's, it comes down to a people issue. Yeah. It really is. And really what Carvana does is the reason they do it is because they didn't hire people from the car business. They hired people, you know, and they trained people to do this concept. And yeah. people looked at it and went, oh, that's a no-brainer. I, you know, it makes sense to me. Yeah. Well, when, I, when I worked at AutoNation, we hated hiring people from the automotive business. We yeah. absolutely we hated it. They, they were the biggest pains in the butt, you know, because we're trying to – when we when I got into business, we're trying to teach them a different concept, and so that's our audience, Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just saying, it, but no, times <laughs> no, have changed. I mean, times have changed. I mean, now it wouldn't be a big deal, but back then it was a big deal. You know, you're coming into this no haggle environment. They didn't understand really what that was, and it was a real adjustment for them because at that time there was only you know uh, CarMax yeah. that was doing it. It was only two companies doing it. So they were way ahead of their time. Yeah. And, 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 uh, but I mean, it, it, the deal is this, it can be done and it's, it's, it needs to be tagged in, as a new process. It needs and to by be the way, well, CarMax's example of is it was done right. AutoNation was too late to the game. Mm-hmm. It's not the fact that what the concept didn't work. It was, they were too late to the game. And then they immediately, when they saw the market shifting and all these new car incentives and the OEMs getting extremely aggressive, they saw the writing on the wall and said, you know what? We need to start buying new car franchises. And that's what they started to do. Sure. Right. <clears throat> and you know what? But, it, but a key point there is, it, it, the case in point with what this is today with, is what that was then. Mm-hmm. Meaning AutoNation started out you know, as in pre-owned, changing the game, you know, reversing the sales role. We're not going to have a pushy salesperson. We're going to change the process. It's going to, you know, we're going to have these little cool looking buildings and stuff. And, you know, but it's pre-owned because the OEMs weren't on board. Now let's flip this. They flip the script. They started going after new car franchises and buying it that way. Well, the reality is this is kind of that as well. And right now the, the new car the OEM and the dealerships at a franchise level need to jump on this and put it together. I'm looking for some really savvy dealerships to do it right, um, you know, and because I think that it's, it's, it can be, I mean, you could capture, if you just sat down and put your mind into it, you could capture a market. You could literally pioneer and own a freaking market with regards to this. Okay. And not well, just deliver a car. Well, the you know what? We're going to see an acceleration mm-hmm. in change in this business yeah. in a big, big way. Um, all the ingredients are there. We have technology now with the information highway. That started it. But now we're on to, to bigger and better technology. Another key thing, there's a couple other key factors, though. One is that consumers in general mm-hmm. are buying differently. Yeah. And it's because they're being spoiled by the startup companies, technology, middlemen cut out, all of these different things that have been eliminated along the way that make a, a transaction smoother, quicker. Those things are, are what people are accustomed to. So mm-hmm. if the dealer doesn't do it, another startup company, another another vendor pushes in. And I believe even as a dealer does 
uh, venture down this road himself or herself. Um, that's going to occur anyway. So there's more opportunities going to be pushed in. But the bottom line is we're ripe for change. And another thing is the parity in cars. You know, it's not like it was, you know, and the passion for a, a particular product is different. The, the brand loyalty, it's all different. It's everything. The landscape is changing rapidly. And we're going to see huge change. In and, and brand loyalty is another example. big one because it's going away. Oh, it's gone. I, I mean, mean it's virtually gone. There, there's very few brands that, that consumers are actually still attached to. Um, and every year that number goes dwindling down. Yeah. Well, there's more options and more parity. Is, yeah. is and, 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 and here's the other thing that's changed. Car manufacturers are making cars better. Even your lower-end car is a better car built today than it was 10 years ago. I mean, look at Hyundai, for example. Hyundai's a prime example. Hyundai, Kia. They were throwaway cars. In the, in the, in the 90s, yep. you, you couldn't give away a Hyundai. Today, they're quality cars. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So all those things are, 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 are implementing change. Did we get, uh, did we get any... Uh, I, I don't even have it up. I don't so. know if we have feedback on there or not. I don't even have it up. When, when we went off, I don't even have it up on this computer. But okay. so, I mean, let's let's do this. Let's end the show a little early today. Let's do it. Because, um, you know, we can't see the comments anyway. So I'm sorry, guys. We had a breakdown in the middle of uh, the show. Hopefully you got something. Hopefully someone's listening. So we don't know. <laughs> right. I'm we, know. we could be talking to ourselves, which is fine, too. Lou said they are. That's a, that's a pretty stylish hoodie there, Dave, by the way, Thank as we you. sign I, I said the same thing when I walked in today. Thank you. Yeah. It, it is very cool. I like it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I like yeah. it. Hey, um, great show, great topic, and uh, great uh, people to have the show with. Great conversation, guys. I really want to thank you guys. So, hey, thank Thanks. you guys for listening, and uh, continue to weigh in and, um, and put your comments in the post below. We'll see you guys next week on Automated Live. This is Tom. Tom is shopping for a pre-owned vehicle. Tom wants to make a smart decision on his vehicle purchase, so he's made sure to review the vehicle's history report and compare prices with similar vehicles. He knows purchasing the wrong vehicle can be an expensive mistake. But what Tom doesn't know is that there is a lot more to a pre-owned vehicle than just the history report and price. The process of vehicle reconditioning, preparation, and research is different at every dealer. And the quality of that reconditioning has a major impact on a vehicle's safety and value. Tom should be shopping at dealers who use Auto iPacket a digital document folder that has everything he needs to know about a pre-owned vehicle all in one place. Every complete auto eye packet includes a vehicle history report, mechanical inspections, reconditioning receipts, manufacturer equipment breakdown, and factory warranty information. Reviewing the auto eye packet allows Tom to know for certain that he is purchasing a safe, properly reconditioned, and well-equipped pre-owned vehicle from a trustworthy and transparent dealer. Purchasing a vehicle without all the proper documentation is risky business. There is more to a pre-owned vehicle than a history report and price. Let us show you. Ask for an auto eye packet at a reputable dealer near you.